Anything's possible though, because you know Bitcoin is money, so you know money talk, man. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, powered by Coin Telegraph. What began as a small experiment is now a rapidly expanding ecosystem. As citizens of the internet, we expect to be able to send money over the internet as quickly and cheaply as sending an email. As citizens of the internet, we demand transparency. Here, we talk about Bitcoin, Ethereum, blockchain industries, fintech, and more. But we're not experts. We're just three guys in the Bitcoin community. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Hey everybody, welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, episode number 109. I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number 2D. Host number 3, Corey. What up? What up, Corey? What up? What up? Today's show is brought to you by the original Game Boy. Get it hot off the presses. Nowhere. Because they don't make it anymore. That's it. That's all the ads we have. Let's jump right into it. We got some Bitcoin news today, (laughs) fellas. We got we got some Bitcoin news today, fellas. All right. We got our boy Vinny Lingam. Indian Vinny. Indian Vinny. Indian Vinny. Indian Vinny. Should we give the audience the actual rundown of what happened before, so they have an idea of the show? Like oh, what we why? Just went through? We're just skipping ads and. No, how we just recorded it and the internet <laughs> destroyed us, and now we're just going to give them a bunch of inside jokes. That they don't understand, and hopefully people love, yeah. people love inside jokes and understand, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm Indy and Vinny from the streets, giving you the hot Bitcoin price news. So, anyways, yeah, it's funny because two Indian parents would never name their kid Vinny, hence Indian Vinny. You're not supposed but to explain. Anyway, who is Indian Vinny? Okay, and why does his opinion matter? So, if anyone is not offended yet and still willing to listen to us. Vinny Lingham, I uh, believe the creator, uh, the co-founder and CEO of Civic.com, also was the co-founder and creator of Gift. That's G-Y-F-T, if those of you, for those of you that can't spell gift correctly. Uh, and he says, hey, 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 this price shit, there's not going to be a Bitcoin bubble unless it grows over a certain amount by March. 4,000. 2K USD by March, because then it's going to be like, that's fast. The growth is too fast. It's unsustainable. Um, you know, it's, it's, something's going to blow. Something's got to give. Isn't that a song? Why 2000? Why 2000? Um, go ahead. Because, Why 2K? Uh, Why 2K? Why 2K? Nice. Every time there's a bull run, why do we have to talk about a bubble? Why can't we just enjoy it? Why 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 can't we just enjoy it? The people who wanted to enjoy it bought in at a thousand and now it's at eight fifty. Or almost nine hundred probably today. It's, yeah, well panic selling is the reason why it went down. Why can't people just fucking chill out? Because, because it may be a bubble. It's it's, it's human nature, not, man. It's legitimate money coming into 
the ecosystem is important or if it's just like people buying a ton of Bitcoin because they think the price is going to go through the roof mm -hmm. and they want to make a lot of money. Is it is it money coming in because people are using the currency and they need the currency to use it? Or is it just people buying it and saying, I have Bitcoin now, I'm going to be rich when I'm 10 because in 10 years because that's what we did. Yeah. When I started I mean, up, it's, it's not a currency right now. It's a commodity. People just need a hold. The money-like commodity. Well, according to a recent, I guess, interview um, with uh, someone from Coinbase, he was talking about he doesn't like the fact that Bitcoin is perceived as a currency and wishes that it never, never did. Because it, yeah, but it's not a very good. It, it's not going to replace the dollar. Okay, it's just not. But it allows for businesses to do things they couldn't do before. What is going on over there? Somebody uh, Iron Man sent me a message. I gotta halt everything and read this fucking message. Nope, it was nope. False Yana Moore alert. That was not her. Okay. All right. So yeah, it, I mean, it, it's we talked we talked about this especially with reaching two thousand dollars. People have talked about this before. Our audio took a shit. Two thousand dollars is an evaluation of Bitcoin based on what? Like, how are you evaluating what the price should be and where it should go? And there's many different ways in which you can evaluate Bitcoin based on what you think it should be used for. Mm -hmm. For instance, you could say it's like a storage of value. So you compare it to gold and evaluate Bitcoin like you would evaluate gold as a storage of value and like a commodity. And that gives you, that's typically where most of the like ridiculous evaluations of Bitcoin come from. And say that mm -hmm. the price should go through the roof, or you could evaluate like a business. So you compare it to Western Union, and you say like, how much money does Western Union make annually based on the size of the company in its current, I guess, market cap or or public evaluation? And so I you do the same evaluation of Bitcoin, and it gets a smaller evaluation than what you would do with gold. So there's many different ways in which you can evaluate how Bitcoin, one Bitcoin, should be worth based on what you think its use case is, and that gives you some price and you make a decision on whether or not you want to buy, buy or sell Bitcoin based on that projected price. And since people have different ways of viewing what it should be and what it should be used for and what it is, they end up with different prices and react accordingly, giving it like a, a fair market price. And people think that it's, you know, it, it's, it's just like gold. It's going to end up being like gold. They're going to invest in Bitcoin a lot and hold it because they think the price is going to go up. Because the the technology will slowly move towards that storage of value, and other people don't care, or they think mm -hmm. it's smaller, so they just use it and they don't worry about trying to get it and hold it. They get it and use it. But mm -hmm. since the community cannot come to a central conclusion on what Bitcoin should be, and I'm not saying they should, then you're going to continue to have these fluctuations based on the discrepancies between each of the people thinking about Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. think it's a commodity, though. I don't like to. I don't like to think of it as a commodity. I'm well. Most recently, I'm through my first and a half read of Andreas Antonopoulos's Internet of Money, and what I can tell you is, I think I've stopped thinking of it as money. I think I've stopped thinking of it as lots of things. Basically, he just blew my world. I feel like I left the Matrix, thought I was out of it, got tricked. 
took another red pill. It was darker this time, maybe maroon, and I'm back out of this bitch again. Like, it just blew my whole world up. And it's hard for me to put this value proposition on it because that value proposition isn't even written in stone yet <coughs> because there's not enough humans humans using it in a defined way on a massive scale to have a value proposition. But one thing I do know is very fucking valuable. That's where <laughs> that's <laughs> how to define that value. It's like this yeah. is very large expanse of value with no definition. It's kind of crazy. It's like entropy, well, it's, man. I, n- I never we, get entropy. Another reason why that is because is we talked – this is another thing that we talked about immediately after the conversation we just had before our audio took a shit is yeah. that like whenever you create something that like – a new technology that transcends the old technologies like Bitcoin – you have you don't have models to describe it properly. Yep. So you have to use the models of the past, of the traditional ways of doing things, to try and explain the new technology with those models. So you're trying to fit something that doesn't fit into a into a model to explain it. And because of Whoa. that, you have problems. Like like for, like for instance, like the US regulatory agencies are trying to Bitcoin within the current models of regulation that they have. And that's going to cause a lot of problems because Bitcoin does so many more things than being pigeonholed into like a commodity, for instance. But they try to apply commodity regulations to Bitcoin, which is inadequate for what Bitcoin mm-hmm. is and what it can do. And so you have to come up with new models to describe what the technology is. But since we don't know the boundaries of what this thing can do and it touches on so many different things it's a really hard thing to do so we just have to try and work with the descriptions we have and find out where they fail and act accordingly and we're in the process of doing that right now what do you think is more effective uh to convey that do we do we do what you said just now and do we relate other technologies in the uh the early stages of development uh mm-hmm. I guess that was that provide real world examples or should we explain how certain innovations frighten people in the past before becoming mainstream, you know, like automobiles, credit cards, the internet. Yeah. And to like speak what on approach, that. What approach speak should we that. take? Just to speak ahead, on Dave. exactly what you're talking about. It goes back to like, I think four episodes ago, Corey and I were going tit for tat. And at the end of it, Corey was like, you're talking about lobbyists. What we need is lobbyists. And that's exactly what we do need. Because reading Andreas's book, I came across the chapter where, again, the chapter where uh, he discusses the history of the automobile and the reason the U.S. won that battle and why we dominated the auto industry is because we relaxed on regulation. Whereas opposed to the U.K., when the automobiles first started up, you had to have three operators per car. That was the law. There was the operator. There was an engineer that sat right next to the operator to make sure that they were hitting the switches and the gas pedal just right. And then there was a guy called a flagger that would run 10 yards out ahead of the car and flag the cars going on foot. And you had to have those three people operating the car. So that definitely stagnated the growth of the automobile. It became a, scene as a, as a luxury item for people that could have it. People were like, that's stupid. Why would I ever need a car? Because then I have to hire an engineer and a flagger that's stupid as fuck 
But in America, we were like, yeah, that shit's dumb. It just goes. It's like a like an auto horse. Just let it go. Well, this is interesting. Go to Google, type in Bitcoin lobbyist. All the articles are from 2014. Oh, like, there's shit. There's nothing from 2016. So we're dropping the ball. So it seems like... Well, it yeah, seems so as though like that's when like, bit license was taking taking shape. Oh, Regulation yeah. and government entities were starting to really look into it. And so that's when people would be writing about these things. And probably what you end up with searches on Google. No one's, no one's wrote about it since, though. Mm-hmm. No one's writing about it, but it's, it's certainly happening. I know it is. I, I, and I that have will hand of the fact that it is. My boss talks to regula- regulators and lobbyists all the time. I, my boss would probably end up being a lobbyist for Bitcoin. I'm a slide I mean, they the filed paperwork, but I don't think it's gotten. I don't think the army of lobbyists to stop overregulating has happened. I think we're still at the filing paperwork stage. Yeah, I'm, no, you're right. Regulations help technologies and they hurt them at a certain point. Like the oil industry was great at using regulation to bootstrap themselves to owning the world for almost ever, but now they're reaching a point where they can't really be adaptable when it comes to like renewable energy but i believe they're fixing that too some cronies can't be unchronified but you know like cronies. say what now I want some cronies i can use some cronies oh uh, yeah man i'd love to have some cronies like i'm gonna work yeah. on that we have one crony ken i think ken could be considered a crony ken's a crony for us i don't know what's the definition of crony i feel like that cronyism has a definition, Gory. It's not like <laughs> I don't I don't know what it is. Oh, a crony is like somebody who's uses the laws in their favor for like monetary gain and is very entrenched in the government. Well, like the definition of crony, according yeah. to Google, is a close friend or companion. Really? No. Well, in this case, it's like the oil industry is a crony to the U.S. government. And the farming industry is a crony. And the Would you call them close alcohol. friends or companions? Yeah. Oh. Which means that they get they get to know, like okay, for instance, like if you guys hear some hot shit on the streets, whether it's music, whether it's a new movie you hear is dropping, what's the first thing you're gonna do? Tell your friends, right? But they do that, but they're doing that shit with like laws and money. So it fucks everyone else. So like the banking industry is a huge crony with the government. And as soon as they like, they're probably, they have lobbyists in the game, just like there are Bitcoin lobbyists. And they're like, Hey, this new blockchain, we're rocking. Look at it. Look at it go. The Bitcoin, it's only doing seven transactions per second. Ours is doing a billion. It's basically the same thing we've already done, except for putting blockchain at the top on the spreadsheet. We need laws to make ours better and make Bitcoin worse. Huh? Huh? And then they do the crony hip nudge or the crony elbow to the lower rib nudge, which I fucking hate when people do that to me because it's like, dude, don't elbow my lower rib as a sign of endearment, you fucking asshole. But who rib nudges you? I get rib nudges sometimes. You never get rib nudged? No. No one ever rib nudges me. Oh. I've I've never been rib nudged. Never been rib nudged. Rib nudge is a thing. I. But basically, that's what the banking industry does with our regulators, and we need a crony. You know. Bitcoin needs a crony. We're working on it. Cronyism. That said, 
I mean, credit card companies and others have way more resources to like allocate towards lobbying efforts. It's very I true. Think that in the end, the, the thing that matters most is just ensuring a positive policy outcome is is just widespread adoption. That's what we mm-hmm. that's what we want to do. Some of them cats that made a shitload of money on early Bitcoin mining and yeah. start yes. throwing money towards the lobbyists, create lobbyists so we can get regulation and positive towards Bitcoin. Like, like that's kind of almost the downside of the open source community that is Bitcoin. It's that it's hard for Consensus. to delegate people to do certain things, right? Consensus like, is no one, hard. It, you can't just be like, hey, I have much money, you go lobby. It's, you just have to assume that someone's going to stand up for it and lobby for, for the for the betterment of the technology. Yeah. That's, like yeah, like you just said, like the, I think all the developers are very one-minded. So maybe we need like some kind of UN setup where all the competing currencies get a seat at the table, and then all the heads of the coins get together and work together. I don't know. What's the, there's no head of Bitcoin. That's the problem. No. Wait, there's, wait. There's there's head of all coins. Corey, I thought you were the CEO of Bitcoin. I am the I am the king of chains. That's right. You're the king of chains, Corey. You're the, I know I'm the CTO of Bitcoin, which is a position I am quite frankly not capable of performing. I don't know who put me here, but you can also call me the cryptocurrency CEO. <laughs> Ooh, you owe me five cents every time you say that. <laughs> you, that's you right. Marcello licensed it and he put his license on the blockchain. Right, so every time. But we know the creators of you know pure coin. Ethereum, et cetera, et cetera. I think we could do that. I mean, it'd be good to it, it would be good to have that unison. Maybe then maybe side chains would be built for the love of God. But you're right that this is something that I discuss all the time, and you guys all shoot me down. It's like the development is too branched out. There's no central ideas being worked on together. I mean, maybe they are, and I'm talking out of well, ignorance. I I I I value what you say, and usually my comeback is this is a brand new way of organizing flat architecture and this kind of open source governance of such a widespread widely used global currency like how the governance model works for bitcoin is brand new and we're still trying to figure out how to work it well which means currently slow it doesn't work very well because we don't have a really standard way of doing it we don't know how to do it well and I'm yeah. not saying that's a good thing. I'm just telling you that's what it is. Yeah, and and that's the reason why it's so slow. And where where would you implement this? Because I, I think certain types of businesses don't need to be regulated and that startups shouldn't have to pay fees just to create something. But I think a lobbyist can express these problems to politicians, speak to them in terms that they can understand. And if politicians hear about how it can create jobs and bring massive amounts of wealth like the internet did, then they would be much willing to explore it more rather than, you know, you know there's a, there's a because... really good chance that my job will transition into that exactly or a part of my job that I'm currently working will transition into that because I do, we're working on making consulting services for the government, which is exactly what this is. Yeah. So at some point, what? I may be that guy talking to so – then- my, my boss already talks to regulators in the government, informing and consulting them on what Bitcoin is and how it works. So you have a very tough job then, Corey. Well, and- I'm not the only one, but yeah. Well, yeah. I imagine you're not the wizard behind the, the sheets that's that's projecting the Wizard of Oz, but I'm, I'm saying – what I mean by it is not just you, but – 
is defining the unknown is very tough because you don't know what you don't know. And being able to define what you don't know is what separates the people that usually have success and the ones that don't. So then how do we do we treat Bitcoin like the Internet? Why wouldn't that be a great comparison? How the Internet was treated when it was coming up? My, I mean, my basic my basic the way I understand it or have a mental framework for it is that Bitcoin is the quantum mechanics as traditional finance was the classical mechanics. Like you couldn't there's there's a disconnect. It's really hard to make the and trying to explain one from the other is impossible, but that's how it was done in the like that's how it happened. Mm -hmm. And it takes a long time to kind of figure it out and create new models to describe what's going on. And unfortunately, that doesn't translate well to normal people because they don't understand quantum mechanics. So I need to come up with better analogies or ways to kind of ex yeah. explain what Bitcoin is in comparison to traditional finance. My immune that, system rejects quantum mechanics, to tell you the truth. Most people don't like it or understand yeah. it. I don't like, get No one understands it, but... Like Schrodinger's cat, I could say it. Real, it make it seem like I'm profound, but then whenever I tell somebody about that and I leave the conversation, I'm walking away like I don't know what the fuck I was just talking about. But they seem like their minds blown. <laughs> when I when I want to like seem profound, I tell people about VPN tunnel services. What? What is that, bro? <laughs> Let me tell you about this. Corey's been using it personally for years, and I just started using it, and it is this great service that encrypts your connection and provides you with an anonymous IP to protect your privacy. So if you want to watch, you know, Benjamin Affleck in the accountant anonymously, well, you need to go to private internet access and get some tunnel services so you can browse securely and anonymously with OpenVPN. It's strong, it's secure, it's the best. 333 a month. Who doesn't have that? Don't be a pab. Seven day money back guarantee. PC Mad calls it the service that outperforms and outfeatures the competition. I mean, what do you got to lose? PrivateInternetAccess.com. Check the show notes, pab. Show notes. Go to the show notes. Go to the show notes. Click on that shit. Yeah. Um, VPN services are great. You guys should use them, and you should use the one that we're affiliated with. Okay, so I forgot where we were going now. You, uh, this is this is where we're going. Minds? I know where we're going. This is the thing. As the community, and I'm saying this to the community, my challenge to the community: if you're listening to the show, proliferate this message I'm about to put in your ears. Okay, tweet this shit. Put it out there. We need to start defining how the world views this shit because it's brand new. And when something brand new comes, it's kind of like the responsibility of the people that are passionate about it to, to, to say, hey, this is what it is, this is what it does, so let's start defining this value together. Here, use it. Let's figure this shit out. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of, that's one, the way I see it, that's one way of doing it. Or do what we talk about, or what I talk about a lot, which is completely obfuscate it. Don't, don't care whether or not the end user knows what Bitcoin is. Who gives a shit? As long as the applications he's using does what he wants it to do and allows him to do the things that Bitcoin allows for, then it's great. Who gives a shit if he knows what Bitcoin is? Okay. 
we got to get definitions though because just to me this is very similar to like when the aeroplane hit the system people were like what motherfuckers are flying now for real and then they look up in the sky they see their first one and they're like word they're flying bro but then bad things happen like george builds his own aeroplane and he's like yo if the wright brothers did it i could do it too oh shit i flew into a mountain i'm dead dead i'm instantaneously dead and so then people were like wait a second We've got to define this thing, aeroplane. I bet you didn't even call it an aeroplane at first. They probably called it a flying machine or some shit. I feel like I should know this history. But called a flying machine. Humans and their bird machines. And they're like, bird machine's kind of stupid. They Let's called go it with... uh, an aircraft. An aircraft? Oh, we're still using that very same word? Oh, shit. We well. use a lot of words from the past. <laughs> Think about horsepower. Yeah, horsepower. Yeah. Use horsepower. Do you ever imagine seeing 800 horses in front of a car, pulling a car? Every day. No. Oh. We should. So I'm the only one that does it, that. We should call it a reindeer. Like this is this is six reindeer. This is four reindeer. Yeah, you would have been the like, guy like in the board reindeer. meeting back in the early the turn of the 20th century that got voted out of the board for that idea, sir. Well, you only need. Eight reindeer to like fly across the world. So if you have a supercar that's eight reindeer, you'd be like, "Holy shit!" I think it's a good idea. Fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I spent all my time on this presentation about the reindeer. Oh yeah, we're Scottish on us, huh? Yeah. Was that good? <laughs> it wasn't bad. It's better than normal, right? You should my accent sound normal, like a mixture. That's your huh? normal like white guy. Yeah, Corey. By the way, that's how you sound to me all the time. This oh, okay. like, <laughs> My name's Corey. I play Halo too. I like to ride around the ghost and splatter people. I was like, cool, man. I'm really racist. Did you eat Lucky Charms 24 <laughs> 7? I did, probably in college. All right, let's get into <laughs> All right. Let's get into so, we got an interview coming up, y'all. This shit's about to be live. It is, but you know what else is live? This ad. We're brought to you by EscrowMyBits.com. <laughs> it's fast and super easy and only takes three steps. All you got to do is register and deposit your Bitcoin. Seller ships the item, buyer checks the goods, releases the funds. You know the drill. They charge you a small flat escrow fee of 1% on all escrow transactions. And they even offer you the ability to split the fee with the other party. Your funds are kept in a secure two of three multi-signature transaction where they only hold on to one key and the rest are yours. So we want there to no longer be any excuses on why not to use escrow to start the escrow process. Go to that website, sign up for that newsletter, stay up to Dizay, where you can escrow, escrow your process. shit. Escrow, escrow my bits. Escrow my bits. Hey, I want to approach you guys like a noob right now and break it down for me in 30 seconds. What if I'm a life noob and I don't know what escrow is? What is escrow? Escrow is when you want to buy something from somebody and you don't trust them very well. So you put your money in a third party. That third party then shows the person you're buying something that there's money there. That person sends the, pro sends the product to you. When you get the product, you say, oh, shit, this is the product I want. Go ahead and send them that money. And the third party sends them the money. So you don't send the money to the guy and he's like, fuck you, got your money. You don't get your product can trust somebody else 
So that Thank way, you. An uninterested third party will guarantee that you get your product and they get their money. And both parties feel safe in doing a transaction online with someone they don't know. Thank you. I now know what escrow is. Okay. You guys can have your show back. All right. Remember when we talked about Ujo Music a few weeks back? Yes, I do. Or remember when we talked about Mycelia with Imogen Heap? I fucking loved that episode and Imogen we, Heap on a personal you know, level. She's coming back. Yes. What? I know. I've been preparing. Send her some well, uh, flowers. Let's, uh, let's apply these services and get some feedback from an audience that could benefit from it. Shall we? Our guest is a proud creative leader in the city of Austin and a hip-hop artist, and he's striving to break into the industry. Uh, in 2015, Mr. Chris Omenihu, he founded The Human Influence in order to create a platform on which to speak, sing, and spread his message about cultural inclusivity. And since its inception, this taste-making creative community has evolved to be kind of a culmination of Chris's interests shaped by his experiences. So, you know, if anyone can appreciate what we do and take time to listen to new technologies, it's him. So, you know, fresh off uh, a great New Year's performance in Austin, he uh, he came onto our show a little hungover, a little tired, but he was engaged, and it was a it was a good interview. Nice. Well, without further ado, here's Mister Omina Hugh. Okay. I knew you were gonna do that shit. I Come knew on, you, were do that shit. you didn't see that shit coming. I saw that shit coming. <laughs> Nobody saw that shit coming. Not even him. Let me let me lay a track down, Mr. Omenhu. I can lay some shit down. I got rhymes for days. Okay, anyways. Do without you gonna do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here it is. The biz. Mr. Wiz. Oh, see. All right, cool. Um, yeah, we're here with uh, Christopher Omenihu. I hope I pronounced that right. A1. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, I guess a good way to introduce is like, you know, how this all fits into what we do and what you do. You know, you're a pretty young cat. Your career has buzz, but I, I wouldn't say you've exploded into Drake and Kendrick Lamar territory. But before you do, and it's inevitable if you ask me, let's let's talk about a, a forward thinking way of how you can share your music and how you can get paid for your music, because the last thing that you want to do is go platinum with like country grammar and then 10 years later beg people to like listen to your music on Spotify <laughs> at five cents a song to keep a mortgage. You know, so, yeah. you know, I want to, I want to turn this over to my man Corey because, uh, you know, Corey, you could talk to him a little bit. You know, we talked to Image and Heat, how they're trying to get this off the ground, which is like a, it's a shared ecosystem of creative content owned by artists and supported by fans. Uh, like Ujo Music, who we just had on the show. Uh, we can give you a quick overview on how you know you can share your music via the blockchain. And if you have any questions at all, you know, please fire away. First off, let's uh, let's uh, tell you, tell us about yourself. Tell our audience about who you are, where you came from, what you do. Um, well, my name is Christopher Ominihu. Um, it wasn't until I started rapping when, like, just open mics, when uh, I realized, yo, like. Christopher Omenihu does not fly off the tongue. Um, and then I just started putting Omenihu on the, on the, on the sign-up sheets. And then just so they wouldn't butcher the name, I would put O hyphen many as in the word and hyphen who as like as the phonetics and then eventually just stuck. 
and this was like three years in college at University of Texas. I'm I'm from Cedar Hill, Texas. What? So, um, Shout out. Sub, suburb of uh of Dallas. And when you when you ask anyone like oh like when you tell like, I'm from Cedar Hill, and if they're from Dallas, they're probably from Plano, and they're like oh where's where's Cedar Hill, and uh, like you don't realize how small the place you're from is until you get to a city that's full of people from just all over the world. And like me living in Austin now, I realize, wow, like there's so many different mindsets and backgrounds here that have upgraded my, uh, my, even my essence as a person. Cause like being from where I'm from, like you, you just see like the whole spectrum of people and it's very small it's very small and uh like yeah i'm from a small town and uh being in austin now i i've been able to to not only like grow as a as a scholar going to ut and graduating with an economics degree but like as an entrepreneur trying to sell something that people say that people don't buy anymore which is art and i think that's a lie Michael Jackson just made almost a billion dollars this year. <laughs> so like <laughs> people are buying art um, and it's all about like getting it to your, to the tribe that's willing to buy it from you. That's a, that's a good point. Also, I guess for those, cause Dylan isn't talking much. Dylan is also with us on this show. How's it uh, going guys? He also listens to like us three went to Cedar Hill together. Chris, is a little younger than we were, but we were friends with his older brother. Uh, so what's up, Dylan? Dylan is now our merchandise director. That's right. We're getting merchandise. Yeah, we got some things, uh, you know, coming out pretty soon. So we'll get you a hat or a, a shirt for you to rep down in Austin for us. But, um, Take the hat. Oh, there you, go. there you go. The hats do look pretty fly. So I'll uh, I'll send you a look. But uh. Yeah, uh, we grew up with uh, Chris's older brothers. Shout out to Stanley and Eugene. So, <laughs> but yeah, speaking to kind of what you were just talking about is getting getting your your message to the right tribe and, and getting them to like finding the communities that you're trying to reach and then getting a hold of you, not going through a middleman. How, how like how have you done that so far? What's been your hangups with trying to get people to get you to listen? as well as like how you getting paid. It seems like you have to like right now on these like, day and age, you got to go to like 16 different sources and, or like go through some conglomerate and just not get paid at all. Yeah. And a lot of people like since the market, it, it's weird because uh, the market, the market at times is, I can I cuss? Sure. It's well, the market. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> the market's that, like, because especially in hip hop where, anyone the threshold to enter and call yourself a hip-hop artist is so low all you have to do is rhyme and all you have to do is pick a beat very similar to djing all you need is a table and a laptop and then you could be deemed a dj without the skill set so like the the threshold to be that artist a hip-hop artist is very low so especially in Austin where the hip hop scenes, it's kind of minute. It's every time you perform and you're like, not bad, you're a breath of fresh air here. And, <laughs> <laughs> Damn. and like, I, 
I get it because once again, anyone can say that they're a rapper. And since anyone can say that they're a rapper, when you book shows here and like, not to say every hip hop show is ratchet or any of that, or like, or is full of obscenities and obscenities and uh, offensive people and blah, blah, blah. But like these venues like, yo, we've had hip hop shows before, but like, this was different. I'm like, what's different? And they're like, yo, like, y'all are respectful. And it's like hip hop, especially here, has like a weird connotation that it doesn't bring in money, that the people that it brings in are trouble. Mm. So it's like, it's not something that's heavily invested here. Well, Um, I don't think people know the difference between rap and hip hop. You know, you can have a Juicy J concert or you can have a Mick Jenkins or an Odyssey concert. And there's two different people. It's two different ways they make music, you know? And I don't think people in Austin really get that. Facts. And, you know, honestly, here, the GCJ concert brings them, brings so many white kids in. And, <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. and it's like, what? Yeah. I like GCJ. That, yeah, GCJ is cool. Like, no, I'm super he, white. <laughs> <laughs> he cleans out the frats every year. Um, but, but, but yeah, most importantly, like I'm in a city where the resources isn't plugged into the hip hop only at the top tier where like Drake will come in um, for the, what tour was that? This was it summers and over tour. Yeah. But it, see, he'll go to like a, those, uh, uh, those giant auditoriums, like at Cirque of the Americas, they, they won't go to stubs, you know, they won't play at parish. You know what I mean? Facts. Yeah. Facts. And I know, like, when he comes, not only is he selling out the Frank Irwin Center, Future's DJ then has a DJ set selling $30 tickets at a local venue. And then on a Wednesday, Austin's full downtown. And I'm like, yo, like, you can't tell me hip-hop isn't bringing revenue here. Like, But the problem is, is is it going to the artists? Like, like hip-hop no, may not. be bringing revenue but where's where's the revenue going yep. how do how do you make a living right based on all that Ooh. revenue coming in you're only getting a real small percentage of that and you don't exactly know where it's coming from so what a lot of the promise of i guess bitcoin and the, and the blockchain and these these platforms that are being built on this technology is a direct communication from the the consumer to the person creating the content right and so you yeah. know where your money's coming from. The people who send you money know that you got it and all of it. And it's really transparent. Instantaneous. Yeah. So um, it's that's it's, a big thing. We made this we've interviewed this this uh company called Ujo, Ujo Music, U J O. And what they're kind of building is a platform for artists to distribute their content that allows people to almost invest in up-and-coming artists. And then as the artist grows, you get a return on that investment, essentially. So you can like say, like, you know, you're coming up, you release a track, and I'm like, oh, shit, that's, shit, that's fire. I need to send him some money so he can make better tracks, spend more, you know, to essentially allow you to produce the music that you want to produce without having to go to a day job. And then mm. as you get bigger, if you are fire and other people do the same thing, I'm going to get a return on that investment of some sort. And I know, and you get all of that money. It's not like I have to pay Spotify to listen to 
clicks of your song and you get, you know, fractions of a penny per click, right? You know, get get a million plays and get 20 bucks type situation. And I think a, what a lot of the promise of the next, like this, the platforms these these people are building that's built on blockchain is a direct link to consumer to artists and allow artists to actually get paid for the content they create without these like a lot of the middlemen. So if you think about blockchain, always think about taking the middleman out and with the music industry, that's a big, that's a big part, right? It's a shitload of money. Yeah. And, and yeah. if you hear that right now, that you hear Chris signing up for Ujo right now. You hear that. <laughs> <laughs> hey there. No, like I definitely am. <laughs> and I, I think that's I one of the reasons why we music video on the strength of GoFundMe. <laughs> so that so that's how you produced all of Vox Matter. Yeah, on like, the music video, we met the director during Fader for it because of my old roommate has a hip hop app called Off Top, and it, that's just a freestyle app that allows producers to upload beats and then the users get to rap on it, like from all different parts of the world. And uh, we're at Fader for it. He meets a director named Nim Perez, who's like shot videos for all the up and coming and now established Chicago acts. And uh, like Ari had a, a ticket to go to LA that following April. And I was like, yo, let's hit this guy up and like let's shoot the music video. And like, it wasn't, a, it wasn't until like a week before the trip. I was like, yo, like, I need to raise some money, GoFundMe, like in a short amount of time, we rose $600. And like, that just paid for the expenses. And yeah, we shot that video, like with money from the community. Yeah. And it, it paid, yeah, and it's like, artists don't know that there's, a, that there's Ujo's and GoFundMe's. Well, how much did, how much that, did GoFundMe take off of the total amount that you made? Ooh. I can't even confirm. You know, when you're just happy to receive something. Yeah, I think yeah. they take something like 20%, I want to say, of the total. Ooh. And that's because that you're going through a company, right? Like, and that's, that's, yeah. there's a lot of distributed crowdsourced, like, can't, like, like, like crowdsourcing projects yeah. and in this community as well that are building up that don't take a percentage. There's no, there's no need to take a percentage. Or if it is, it's hey, incredibly I mean small. And how long are you going to feel that way, man? I mean, I heard Pharrell got 43 million plays on Happy, you know, that song Happy, and he only made $2,000 from royalties off 43 million plays. Really? You know what I mean? That's pennies. That's peanuts. Yeah, that's that's sad. And at, at the end of the day, if you like, in my, this, is a, this is my personal opinion. It's the artist should be focused on the content, and then he should be rewarded based on how much people like that content. And you shouldn't have to game and grind outside of the content that you create to make the money you want to make the content, right? Like, yes. you, you, need, you need a fucking economics degree to be a rapper. <laughs> no, straight up. Because now artists have to be, they have to be their own managers. They have to be their own social media reps. They have to be their own A&Rs. Because if we're booking our own shows, we have to book other artists and other artists who somewhat fit the style or aesthetics or the vision that we present. And it's like, yo, like artists in 2017 are doing what labels are doing. 
Yeah. It's only that we don't have a big budget, and that's what it comes down to. Or the tools and, you need but, to do and it. And less resources, obviously. Less resources. And, um, and like, now I'm realizing, okay, the biggest difference between, like, me and the big young artists you know is probably, like, I've only released one song in a music video, but based on, like, my size of audience, I'm reaching a lot of those people intensely, very organically. And it's like, damn, like, if I scale this just a little bit more, I'm not worried about, like, the next meal or the next, how I'm going to pay rent. It's it's going to be like, yo, those 100 fans that really have my back, they're going to be paying, they're going to be paying for the things I create for the rest of the year, for the rest of my career, blah, blah, blah. And it's like going from that, that struggle rapping phase to like, yo, like I have a shirt, I have a ticket. You're going to buy these things. You're going to buy this song when I put it out. That's the next phase because uh, like the stage I'm at, like I performed yesterday and people are like, yo, like this is dope. But like, I realize a performance now is just a commercial. It's mm-hmm. just, it's just like, yo, if you like me, come to this table and purchase this. If you like me, follow me on Instagram. If you like, just all these things are potential sales for tomorrow. And, uh, and like, yeah, like why as a rapper am I thinking about these things? Yeah, that's that's something that I feel like a lot of like that's almost why the I'd say the early two thousands, late nineties, you saw all those rappers become entrepreneurs because the ones that made it had to be that, right? Yeah. And like that's why P. Diddy has so much damn money, is because he's a really good businessman. Jay-Z and is. a rapper. You know what I mean? So is that do you feel like that's a requirement of being a rapper, or it's only because they couldn't have made it rapping if they weren't good at business. Like, you know, and we just don't hear all the good to... rappers because they suck at handling money. You know, okay, I think there's like, there's one big thing. Hip hop inherently is not something that rappers own. And what I mean by that, of course they own the lyrics, but the beats, a lot like beats were made off sampling. Mm-hmm. So, because of publishing and all that, masters, you can you can make a dope track just like All Vibes Matter. All Vibes samples a uh, a Janet Jackson song. So, off that alone, I can't sell that song legally. Or if I made too much money, like eventually her her, her company would eventually come after me and recoup all the money that I gained off of it. So inherently, like rappers do not own a lot of the things that they're creating on, whether like they're rapping on a, a like an old Lil Wayne beat, and like they try to sell that. No, like Lil Wayne and that producer own those rights. So a lot of the content that rappers create, they don't even technically own because they're not trained musicians, and they didn't create the sample themselves. So like that alone keeps some amount of finances from feeding into your endeavors and then on top of that i think just not knowing the industry and not to say i do but as like someone who's created um intellectual property and uh, knowing like yo this is internal like eternal just like i just mentioned at the beginning michael jackson's made 
almost a billion dollars, people don't understand like, yo, when I make something, it can forever make money. It can forever compound. And people don't understand that. And when you sign deals, AKA loans, they're just business loans. When you sign a, a deal yep. to a record company. Um, I didn't take a loan out for school. Thank my mom. But it's like, why would I take a, an advance when I didn't take a loan out for school? But rappers take out advances and don't understand like the math that goes behind it. I have a book in my backpack called Everything You Need to Know About the Music Industry. Literally, the music industry uses formulas that would stump calculus majors, like people who majored in math, just to just to warp the way the allocation of money so like of course when someone who only like rappers like let's the context of rappers just artists alone artists let's say someone who's like 25 who's only thought about mastering their craft not thinking about balancing their own books and all that so you give them like yo like i'm giving you two hundred thousand to create an unlimited amount of art and and someone says, yo, like, I just want that 200000 back whenever you, you start profiting on what, you're, on what you're creating. It's like you take that money, you produce a whole album. Let's say you blow through the 100 and, 150000 of it. And then, like, you use the other 50000 to live. When you're selling what you just created, you're not touching that. You're not touching that money. So if you start selling that album that you just created, the first 200,000 is not yours. So what are you doing in the meantime? What are you, yeah. like, what are you doing? So How the equivalent doing? would be like, say, uh, hey, Chris, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you 25% of your tuition. And it's not a loan, it's an investment. So when you graduate and you become a successful architect, I want 35% of your paycheck for 10 years, stuff like that. Yeah. You know, would you be, is that more attractive for a record label to treat you know, an artist that way, or is it like, here's a $5,000 advance, pay us back through your hustle? Like, I mean, what would, what would your average artist prefer? You know that the average artist who is struggling would want the money up front because they can, they can comprehend like, yo, like I have $5,000 now. I can pay for artwork. I can pay for music videos. I can pay for this and that. I can pay for flyers and stickers. But they don't realize, yo, like, you're just paying for advertisement. And there's no telling if you ever make that back. And if you never do, you're in debt. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it sounds like the reason why all of this is this way is because, like, it was difficult, right, to, to grow a brand and get it out to people and create the things you need to create, have some capital, so on and so forth. And you needed someone to kind of have all those tools or created those tools and understand all that shit. And... And the technology wasn't there to, for someone to do it on their own, like for you to just go out Thanks. and just and just say, I can do all this on my own. I have, there are tools out there that I can use. Those didn't exist. Now they're starting to come online. It's easier for you to kind of get your name out there with social media and stuff. It's easier to, you know, post your videos on YouTube. You can, you have tools that you can get your content out, but there's still no way for you to get paid doing that type of stuff. I mean, YouTube will pay you for advertising clicks, things like that. But, and you can make merchandise, put them on a website. But in terms of like the, the full package managing tools for like 
content distribution for music doesn't exist and until until now and those things are starting to become created now where you can build a brand you can do everything that music labels were doing in the past like you'll you'll be able to this this, this isn't out yet it's it's brand new and it's going to allow i think it's going to allow people like you to really grow the brand that you want to grow and not have to rely on these these loans these these essentially advertisement loans as an artist <laughs> which is which is hot like it's, it's it's so it's so big to me because like say for instance even even if you just started accepting bitcoin right and people understood that you accepted bitcoin and you go to a show and people know your address in some way shape or form they can just send you money while you're recording while, while you're while you're going and at the end of the show you'd be like oh shit i got a bunch of bitcoin from that one show and the people who understand how to use it right because all, all all Bitcoin yeah. is is digital cash, right? So if I gave you five dollar bill, you'd be like, "Oh shit!" A bunch of people put five dollar bills in this bucket I had up front during my show, and that's just cash you got from from entertaining people. Well, you can do the same thing with Bitcoin, yeah. but you can do it online, which means you can post a video, and people can you can have the equivalent of a cash jar up front for your video that people can just throw money into, as opposed to having like- to go through YouTube. And them take a profit out of it. Yep. And it's like even when like people respect tech savviness over the over the physical jar on stage. Yeah. Well, everyone like, respects tech savviness, look- <laughs> especially in Austin. I'll tell you what, <laughs> Bitcoin's big in Austin, yeah. so you might you might have a nice following there just based on accepting it. Yeah. Even there's like an app called Tip Cow where. Like if you're performing, if people have the app, once again, you're relying on the strength of people knowing the app, but they can tip you while you're performing. And those concepts are like the new age concepts to not lose. Like when you induce people as an artist, you deserve to cap, like you deserve to earn money on that. Like, cause we're selling happiness. Yeah. Um, I think about like music right now. Music is supposed to be selling technology right now. You, music has always sold technology. Like going back to CDs, 12 inches, it's, it was just always furniture and technology. And now in, uh, in 2017, you're seeing a lot of artists align themselves with companies. Like you see Chance, the rapper, like with Kit Kat and ESPN. But like there's going to be artists that are just going to be aligned with tech. And like, they're not only going to be performing at these big parties that these tech companies hold, but they're going to be pushing some of the, the newest, whether it's like Windows, <laughs> they're going to have artists. And um, and that's going to be the, the new way. Like even VR, like when I was at ACL, Samsung was behind like when I saw Kendrick perform. Like backstage, they had like a VR set up for, for like the the special guests to watch uh, the performance in uh, Samsung VR headsets. Even though they're dangerous and pretty shitty, but like that's the thing that that's being moved by the music and the culture is, is like the new fancy technology that is piquing everyone's interest, but it just isn't cool enough, and just isn't trusted like a human being that's dope at something. So. I think about that all the time. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, I'm, like I'm glad you brought that, that up too because I, I know you created your podcast because you felt like people were falling into these old you know, tech cycles, particularly cycles that, I guess, perpetuate unspoken race rules. And I'll say it now, ain't no other fintech podcast have as many black people on the mic as we do. And I'm not sure... <laughs> I'm not sure if people aren't throwing the invites out or look specific numbers for diversity in fintech. They're hard to nail down, but fintech has a diversity problem and there's no way around it. And of CEOs at venture backed tech startups, only 3% are female and fewer than 1% are black. I know this is a huge question. What the hell do we do about that? You know, how are they, the, the people building these products, they don't look like the people who need these products. So how do we merge these marriages? How do we, how do we get more people you know, involved? You know, that's a good first. It always like even going back to booking shows, that's one of the biggest things in Austin. There's not a diversity in booking of artists. And you're like, why is that? Like, why is that a problem? It's because of the economy isn't shared. You feel me? If someone mm-hmm. throws me a bone and I break off the bones for like people I only know. It's only going to be the trickle down effect doesn't happen. And, um, you know, we can get more ethnic groups and more women into like these new positions if we just know more qualified women and ethnic groups in a room full of people that look like you. We're never going to get there. So, like, whenever Dropbox, did y'all ever see that tweet when Dropbox like tweeted about like their diverse like Christmas party? And there was nothing but white people and an Asian person. And everyone just dragged them through the mud. Yeah. That's the world we live that. in. Yeah. Like, that's the world we live in. And it's not cool or trendy to be homogenous anymore. Someone like me can take advantage of it. Like, literally, it's the gold rush of making people feel woke. You feel me? Like, it's literally, yo, I can capitalize on, like, yo, y'all need a black person right now, especially <laughs> someone as cool as me. Uh, and, and a good dialect. And, like, plus I make music. So, like, yeah, it's, first and foremost, it's going to the people who are in control of booking. Whether it's for the parties, whether it's for, like, the commercials, whether it's for, like, the hiring. You just... We need to extend their address book. That's where it starts. And a lot of the times, the people that are left out, they're so discouraged to the point where they don't even knock on the doors. They don't, like, I remember I went to, I met, uh, it was my homie's birthday, 28th, and, like, Kendrick Lamar was performing for free at the Woody, at the, the Moody Theater, for free, for free. For free. When I say for free, Kendrick Lamar was performing for free for PBS, ACL Live. I tried to get tickets to that, by the way. And you know, okay. (laughs) Hear me me out. So they made it seem like it was a raffle only. Like, you need to fill this place out. And, like, the people who get selected are are the people that are going to come. And I realized I wasn't going to get selected out there anyways and i'm cute i'm cute out in the line i'm like okay the people who are just sitting in line you know of course it's awesome so it's still white people but like you can tell like these are hip-hop heads 
but the people who won the will call were all people who definitely are on the email list for ACL Live. <laughs> and, and, and I realized, yo, like, raffle. But no one told me that I was allowed to come here if I didn't. You feel me? So, like, groups that are being left out aren't being told, like, yo, the rules really don't matter. Anytime you see, like, yo, this only, yo, like, that's not really true. Rules are really meant to keep out people who don't know. And usually the people who don't know are the groups. If this makes any sense, it's a chicken and an egg problem. And like me being in Austin where there's million dollar startups everywhere. And they always have money to throw out for entertainment and, uh, and like marketing. Like people, artists don't know, like, yo, like, this is the new like Medici Picasso situation that we're in where we can be endorsed by major companies. I worked for Dell like briefly as a brand ambassador. I have so many contacts. I'm one email away from like, yo, I need a free XPS. I, and I need uh, a budget to create this dope event that Dell will be a sponsor of, but it's going to give behind me an opportunity to showcase what we do. And then at the end of the day, Dell will be seen as cool and hip and in tune with the culture. So like as a... Um, once again, I'm sorry that we're going up. You're breaking up a little bit. You there? Cool. Hello? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so like, as a, like, I don't know, like, it's, 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 it's pivotal for you to build a community around yourself. Right. And then grow that community. That's, that's essentially all yes. you're doing. That's the main thing you're doing. How do you, like, how do you, how do you do that? Like what, what, what's your, what's your main method for doing that? And then what do you need to make that happen? Ooh. You know, that's, that's a good question because. Cause I feel like what's what, like, like that's going to change drastically in the, over the next five years of how you build a community and then get that community to support you. That's what I think a lot of this is doing. And it's a difficult question to answer now because it's, it's a difficult process. There's so many ways you can do it because there's apps for on apps, on apps, on apps to try and get this done. And then how you then manage your time amongst all of those things to like, make sure your community feels the love in the, in the, in the format that they give you love. Is, is difficult um, and I think that's changing which allows you more time to be who you're supposed to be while still feeling as though your community supports you and you're, and you're giving it to them the way you want to so like no, what do like, you have to do now I, even, even oh, how I like I started my company Human Influence um, uh, like 16 months ago and like, really, it was literally just vintage clothes, me selling that highlight video of our first photo shoot. It caught, it piqued people's interest. And then we had, we held a house party for free house. And we had like 200 people here. I still don't know how all that information got out. Post on Facebook. Like we didn't, we didn't have a Facebook group. It was literally like Twitter and then an email list. Things like proliferated from there, but like 
it's honestly building a community starts with what are you like what's missing for you like you can't build a like I'll, I'll never be able to build a a single mom reading book club because that's not that's not my tribe <laughs> yeah i can't relate to those people so you can only create a community that you undoubtedly relate to so because you know, of course you can just like create a twitter abbey and say you represent this thing of any like attachment to it but i've always been compelled to find an alternative for uh walk into a room and like yo like I'm tired of this music. I'm tired of these people's styles. I'm tired of like whether like you walk into a party and it's only black people or it's only Mexicans or it's only Asians or it's only white. I've been trying to create a community that like just blends all that. And like, I don't know, through trial and error, like people kind of like attached and latched onto that. I don't know how, cause I'm not directly telling people like, yo, come out fresh, come out and bring your coolest friends they're just doing that already so like but most importantly like it's just like tech you have to find a, a issue a root issue and fix it and like now like for my brand human influence i'm just like trying to fill that void for the people who are always on the internet and who are always looking at their heroes and like wow like i could do that shit here where I'm at or like you see a boiler room which is just DJs a projector and a live stream and people dancing and you for those people who get jealous of that and like yo like opponents I can do that here <laughs> what I'm doing for it's because it's like there's enough people in Austin and in New York and in Dallas and in Houston that feel the same way as me failing that and like literally just through Instagram where you pinpoint other influencers who are kind of like you, who like the same like music, who kind of dress like you, you follow them and be like, yo, I'm going to be in your city, art this event. And it's like just scaling that a, a, a couple times and then you have a new audience, but the same community. And that's what I have to do as an artist because as a rapper, I still have to do this. And it just happens to be that I'm doing this as just a business owner um, because you can hit up a, a, a venue in San Antonio and be like, yo, like I have this song and like I'm a good performer, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, they're like, yo, do you appeal to these people in my city are they going to buy tickets and are they going to buy drinks? If that's no, they're not going to pay you to open up for g Easy. <laughs> they're not going to open. They're not going to pay you at all. They're going to say, yeah, you can open the bill. You know, if you bring money, yeah. <laughs> you can drive your ass to San Antonio. And we'll play it by ear. Prove that you have a grip on a, on a group of people and whether that's just through Instagram or Twitter people can't can't give you anything but what you ask for and uh, 
And like, that's the importance of building the community. And all the time, like I'm in a city that has three colleges, almost four, four colleges within 30 miles. No, five, uh, HBCU, UT, um, Austin Community College, St. Edwards, Texas State. And it's like, that is enough to forever eat because these colleges are forever eating on those five groups of people alone. So artists like me who went to college or appeal to college students or high school students really don't even need to leave the city. But since college is a, is a cycle and like the personnel gets refreshed every year, you have to communicate it with these people and um, like even through the internet, like now it's Snap, not Snapchat, but Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, they have algorithms that go against you um, and that make you want to pay for the post to boost that post. And as an artist who's struggling, you may not have the $15 to boost a post. But like, ironically enough, like I have some friends who work for Facebook who get free ad dollars proliferate my message at times <laughs> yeah like you so it's just like it's crazy man like you gotta rely on other people to, to get, get your message out that all... that's not that's not good yeah. right that's that's the problem and i think that's going to change over the next five years drastically because there's Whoa. a lot of people trying to create content and they have to go through these people and if the people don't like the content like that if the, if the mediator doesn't like the content they're not going to put it out right so like essentially censorship of what you're trying to do and i think that's slowly moving away from people are starting to realize that because they put they rely so much on these things and then when they get bucked out because those things don't like them or like 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 the message you're trying to put out yes. then they're going to go on to something that allows them to do whatever they want but yeah, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna tell everybody about influence humans, and you know what, man? If you find what we talked about a little bit, you know, interesting, Chris. After you've dove a little deeper in this, it'd be cool if you went on your own podcast and kind of share your feelings towards all this, you know. And we'll just reciprocate no, the I love. Will. And we'll be sending you some more stuff Definitely. to kind of to get you, I guess, acquainted with the technology. Because as as a rapper, you should, in my opinion, at least broadcast that you you accept Bitcoin. That'll get you some money. Uh, it allows people to send you money digitally from whatever you do, just putting an address out there wherever you go. And Austin yeah, is hit to app. the scene, so it's a good place to start. You don't need an app, and that, and no one's taking a percentage of that. No one's stifling that message. No one's. There is no relying on a third party to to to, to go through in order to do that. It's just internet cash, which is really easy to pass around. Yeah. Well, and Chris, I, for the uh, for, for the current listeners, you know, and everything, can you go ahead and uh, let us know what your Twitter account is and uh, all of that? Most uh, most importantly, I want to say thank y'all for like, even bring bringing me on. Like, it's it's cool. Like the fact that I I was on the same platform as Little B. <laughs> <laughs> like once again, like he's he's like the ultimate internet like maneuver and I'm still learning from what he did him and even soldier boy. And, and it, it's crazy to see like those dudes are forever set 
whatever set means to you, um, because yeah. they maneuvered the internet at the right time. And like, even though that exact era is over, I'm in this, I'm in this new time, and it's like, yo, I could be a part of this golden era, or not, or I could see it pass me up. And it's cool to see like men like those guys, and like their content isn't the most thought provoking, but it, it connected. And that's all it has to do. It just has to connect. Um, and you can connect with me at only Ominihu, um, only underscore Ominihu, O-M-E-N-I-H-U, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. My website is Ominihu.com. Um, and yeah, you can find me there. I have my company, Human Influence. Find us at Influence Humans across all social media platforms. And like, yeah, like, I want to say thank y'all for having me. The first thing I'm going to do after I shower from a New Year's Eve night that was wild. Um, <laughs> I'm going to look into like opening my Bitcoin wallet and like letting people know like we're out here. I would what? recommend I would recommend either going to Coinbase.com or Airbits.co and getting those apps on your phone and starting a, and starting a wallet from there. Those are great places. I owe you money, I think, too. I, thought, I, I remember <laughs> telling you I was going to get you your first Bitcoin. Yeah, uh, we'll send you some. Tell you what, it's, the moment you get your wallet, send us an address on Twitter or post you got an address on Twitter, and, and the Bitcoin podcast would be the first donators to the only uh, Omini Hue. It'd be our honor, man. I appreciate that. Cool. Hey, last but not I'll least, man, like, uh, throw to that video, and we're also going to play your, your new song on the air as well. Oh shit! Like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and you like the thing is, I'm an artist who has one song out and one video out, and just on the strength of my connection with real people against me, like I get messages every day, like, "Yo, I like your style. Like, it's different." I'm like, "It's only one song." Like. Young Thug has just dropped <laughs> 10 mixtapes just now. And it's like not about the quantity. It's literally, I feel like it's Floyd Mayweather. Like you got to, you sling, you got to make sure it connects. So like, hopefully we can release new songs soon. But like, I just realized it's not about how many songs you drop. It's about what you do and how like, hype you get people about what you're about to do next whether it's just yo i'm about to be on this podcast like it's all about getting people behind it and excited like before the podcast and not to go on a tangent i was still watching the cowboys game we're going to the playoffs we have a bye <laughs> tony romo one drive as if it was must see tv it was one drive and I was watching every play. And that's what it's about is making people care about every play. And that's all it is. Right on. I feel that. <clears throat> all right. Let's, uh, let's wrap this up. It's, we have a one question we ask all of our guests, maybe a little more difficult for you. Uh, can you describe Bitcoin in 10 words or less?
Bitcoin is the safest way to pay for sex. That's that, that's a that's a true statement. <laughs> that could also be that could also <laughs> be my favorite. <laughs> so uh, that was a good comment from the uh, only rapper on the Dean's list. Well done, well yeah. done. I like that line, by the way. That was solid. You know, and like to to be honest about that line. Me, I was a natural science student the first two years, and like I made like a three point eight when my second semester and that was like the only like really successful semester of mine before I was like, yeah, fuck this shit. <laughs> um, there was no Dean's list for natural science students. <laughs> yeah. So what I did all. First off, that's crazy to me. And second off, you lied to me. No. <laughs> Dylan is taking him back. I, He's if done. I was in any, if I was in any other school, of like at ET, I would have been on the dean's list with a 3.8 that semester. But they don't play that shit with natural science students. I guess everyone just makes 4.0s and drinks coffee and pops the Adderall. I didn't. Yup. <laughs> I have a PhD in physics. There's a lot of people like that. <laughs> hey, thank y'all for having me, y'all. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Right on, man. Thank you. <laughs> All vibes matter. 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 When we walk into the party, let me do me. Let me do me. Let me do me. When we walk into the party, let me do me. Let me do me. Let me do me. Hey. Let me tell you when I wasn't feeling well Kinda like Jonah in the stomach of the well Okay, don't betray all my vibes today Got debt to the bank while I play it safe If we only live once and we pass away Can't be trusting every word that the pastor say We have to pray Since Steve passed away Can't fathom how to even get a job today This ain't ordinary dance music This, baby move your hands to it This, extraordinary rap music Got everybody here moving This, ain't ordinary dance music This, Baby, move your hands to it. This extraordinary rap music got everybody here moving. Your vibe, my vibe, won't collide but coincide. If you don't want to dance, you can go outside. Your vibe, my vibe, won't collide but coincide. If you don't want to dance, you can go outside. When we walk into the party, let me do me, let me do me, let me do me. Let me do me, let me do me, let me do me Wait, no one as fresh as I is When we get dressed, don't dress for eyelids When we get rich and dance on islands I promise to get my mama a grill with diamonds And brand new cars, zero mileage Damn, work so hard for nights like this Vibe Teflon, no blood on this Grab my nuts, you can suck on this If you wanna throw fists, you can leave quick On my Michael Jackson, you can beat it Judas from the heart, I don't need when you only black rap on the D's This ain't ordinary dance music Cause she woke up with some calf bruises This ain't ordinary rap music Cause ain't nobody's vibe ruined This ain't ordinary dance music Cause she woke up with some calf bruises This ain't ordinary rap music Cause ain't nobody's vibe ruined Whatever.
whatever happened to the trusted BTMs? You put cash in. You get Bitcoin out. Those were happier days. Everywhere you look, there's a Bitcoin ATM. Brought to you by Athena Bitcoin, yeah. The trusted name in Bitcoin ATMs, oh yeah. There, there were backup singers in that song. Oh yeah. <laughs> All that. Okay, audience, sorry about that. I was challenged by Cello to see if I could tell you guys about something. And I'm just going to tell you about a regular. All right, so our episodes, they're brought to you by Athena Bitcoin. What's a being a thick? What's Athena Bitcoin? The most trusted name in Bitcoin ATMs, all right? So located in H-Town, Fort Worth, D-Town. That's Dallas, okay? We get excited because we're located in Texas, all right? And seven other U.S. cities. That's right. So they're growing. Download the Athena Bitcoin wallet at the App Store or Google Play. All right. So if you want specific locations about those seven other cities, you can go to AthenaBitcoin.com. Okay. And they're rapidly expanding. Operation Grow Like a Virus. Okay. I don't think that's what they call it in their board meeting, but I'm pretty sure they're trying to get more BTMs out there or Bitcoin ATMs, whatever you want to say. All right. Some people say tomato. Some people say tomato. So. Okay, we're also brought to you by Athena Bitcoin's portfolio company, BitQuick. Secure, quick, easy, peer-to-peer Bitcoin marketplace. Uh, you can get Bitcoin for cash. It only takes like some hours. Be patient. Don't be an impatient asshole. Okay, they call them BitQuick for a reason. Uh, they're serving Bitcoiners since 2013. So look, all right, where there's a bank, there's BitQuick. Understand that. All right, so we hope you guys under 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 not understood, but loved the interview that we just had with Mr. Omenhu. It was a long time coming, and I know Marcello himself said he wanted that human touch because that's what makes Bitcoin awesome. It's not, I mean, it's also this technology, but it's like it being understood by somebody else who isn't necessarily fucking super duper computer programmer guy. Or understand software on that level. So, I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. What do we, he didn't even that? have breakfast until 4 p.m. Because he was so busy learning about Bitcoin. Yeah. On New Year's. That's oh, real. Yeah. That's real life. That's what, we, that's what we bring to you guys. Real life shit. And CEOs. Because bosses only. True bosses only. So. Yeah. So, what's next on the docket? What else can we talk about that's happening big time in Bitcoin that people need to be privy to? We all know the price is doing what it does. It's 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 back to Bitcoin's temperament, where it's like eh, I want to be a thousand, eh, I want to be eight fifty, eh, whatever. I'm just gonna destroy people's money in my wake. But you know, the thing I feel bad about is like um lately you know you when the price is doing what it does naturally our our network our social networks are going to start pinging us for what we do and it's like yeah man i get them really excited about it get them learned on the value proposition get them learned on how to use it and how to have it and then the price stuff starts doing what it's doing and i just like hope 
that everyone isn't losing sleep. Like, I hope I gave them good enough advice to just chill and, you know, I hope I didn't introduce stress into anyone's life. It's such a baptism by fire, which we've all had. You yeah. know, there's, I don't, I don't feel like there's anybody that's joined the Bitcoin community and hasn't had to go through some type of kind of variable shock like this. Yeah. And then like, oh, okay, then now I better understand commodities and their, their evaluation relative to what I'm used to. Like, yeah, most people don't ever think about the changing evaluation of stocks and bonds and how they move up and down and things like that relative to what they're used to, typically U.S. dollars for people we talk to, until they enter into Bitcoin. And like, oh, man, the price changes? What's this like? It's like, oh, welcome to the rest of the world where they use more than one currency and they have to worry about that type of shit on the regular. Mm-hmm. It's, like, people it's, know what it's, baptism by fire means. Uh, I don't know. But for those that don't know, baptism by fire means you jump into something at like in a very difficult situation. So you have to learn on your feet really quickly. It's not this mm. soft, Ooh. put your toe in the pool introduction to a concept. It's you jump into an ice cold pool and you get it all at once and then you get used to it. That's yep. battle terminology right there. I like it. Yeah, man. Bitcoin touches a little bit of all facets of life. We should get some churches accepting Bitcoin. That's what we should do. That's crazy. We should go. The gift of the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Mm. Get some. Churches still matter, man. They're mattering less, but they still matter. What did you say? You just made a lot of noises. That's not something I care about. (laughs) You made dad noises to that. Yeah, bro. (laughs) What is... Well, I will never be suggesting any sort of church anything on this show ever again. So let's just put I that. Think, like the, the smartest, the smartest people I know are there. That's their response to religion. Like everyone I know, dad noises. Yeah, like the smarter I meet someone, the more dad noises they make at religion. I, I feel <sighs> it's like it's true. not necessarily smart. It has to do with a worldview and being exposed to many different cultures. You realize that there's many different religions and. You also see kind of the, the way humans tend to gather around each other and, and like hope for something bigger than themselves. Yeah. Naturally. And there's no right way to do it. And when you see people tell you that this is the only way, because I was told by some arbitrary source, it, it, it it's a little off putting. I'm not saying there isn't something that's greater than us. I'm telling you that people telling me that they have the answer for what is greater than us is off putting. Well, it's just like Bitcoin. It's all faith-based. You know, I mean, there's no proven thing that Bitcoin's going to succeed or everything. I mean, it, you, I, the math I think we're hardwired. It's just like it's, it's an experiment. And yeah. it's so far, based on what we've built off of this essentially rule set of how things are supposed to work, we've built a working model that we can use. And then we've built things on top of that working model that we use. And the more things we build on top of it, the more trust we have in the fundamental foundation of that system. That's how anything grows and becomes trusted, is that you build things on top of the foundation, and the foundation holds. And that's we, we keep building things on top of Bitcoin, mm-hmm. and it keeps holding. And yeah. until that breaks, we, we have trust in it. 
and then we have other systems that we're building up. So like the underlying cryptocurrency movement is working because we're building foundations and then building things on top of those foundations. Things are working really well mm-hmm. to our expectation. And when things don't work to our expectation, we change our idea of what that thing is supposed to be or how it's supposed to work, what it's supposed to do. And we work from there. And then we have, we build on top of that. Yeah. And it's just, it's just, it's still really young. So we don't have these really massive kind of trust systems built on top of them because market caps are pretty small and there's not that many people who know about it and use it. But as we keep getting bigger, the more things we build on top of it, the more, the more trust we have in the, the ground layer, the foundation. Yeah. Like, that doesn't mean you need to know every, exactly how that foundation works, right? Most people believe in a religion, but they really have no idea how that religion got started or like what it's actually, what all its fundamental tenets are. They'll quote the Bible, but that they don't quote the entire idea of the whole passage surrounding that one verse of the Bible. Yeah. For, for me, why, why, Bitcoin, why I keep my faith in Bitcoin? That's a great question to throw out there, Cello. Why I keep my faith in Bitcoin is because... Many, many moons ago, I took a class in college called Foundations of Abstract Algebra, where I learned there's this whole chapter on a thing called cryptography and um, modular arithmetic. And let me tell you, that, dang it, I gotta stop. Chell's things distract me. Get back in here, man. Push the button. No, this new software I got is boss. And you, I, w- I would like that too. We need to get standardized on all the shit that we're using. Well, this is for Mac. I don't think they make the software for, uh... but it's boss. Playing with it. Chell, are you in here yet? Check this shit out. I'm just going to keep it moving. He knows how to get back in. The reason I keep faith in Bitcoin is I took a class, Foundations of Algebra. I'm trying to get my words together. Remember where I was. And in that class, they talked about a thing called cryptography, a whole chapter of it. We spent like two weeks on it. And actually, no, two to three weeks on it. It was a long while, but. What that class taught me was a thing called modular arithmetic. And that kind of blew my mind. Because with modular arithmetic, you could kind of make any number, any number, as long as you state the modulus. And I was like, wow, this is fucking paramount. And that's what cryptography is built on. It's built on, like, making anything, anything provably. Using these abstractions to make anything, anything provably. And it's kind of what the cryptography behind Bitcoin does. It could take... Character, it could take something of any length and break it down into this little hash, provably, using mathematics. And 
my like my Henry Ford moment of pulling people to something new, you know, when Henry Ford said if I asked the people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. And he was like, no, fuck that. We're getting cars going because this is better. Um, is if people don't understand that math is what powers Bitcoin and they don't trust math, then I say that is a stupid ass human, like a dumb ass human. You shouldn't listen to them for for shit. Like, no, math is math. Like, and you trust math. Math is like literally the definition of what math is, is statements of truth. Yes. It is and logic, logic and, and statements follows of truth. from those statements. And when, when you turn on the news and people are like, I don't trust those statistics there. Well, just ask for the proof of how they found the statistics, and then you don't have to not trust them. You well, can just the thing. fucking here's look the thing. at the math. This is, this is what people mean when they say they don't like math, right? They, they mean that they don't like the math that is performed on bad sources. So, for instance, say you have – you've sampled a very biased set of people, and then you perform statistics – on the answers that they give you, you're going to get a really biased answer. The math that's being performed on that is infallible. Yeah. But the conclusions well, do not represent a truth in reality because it's based on false assumptions. Well, let's or leave soft sciences. Viewpoint. And so, I understand like, where you're That's going. what people say when they say they don't like math. Yeah. And so if you don't have good data, this, I'm, going, I'm going somewhere with this. If you don't have good data, you cannot have good conclusions regardless of how good your math or process is, which means that that's why that's one of the reasons why I like this technology so much, because it's essential source of truth that's tamper resistant. So you always have a good source of data. Always. The things you build on it can have more meaning. You don't have to you don't have to trust or ask where the data came from or how they got it. It's obvious. And you know that it's a good source that hasn't been tampered with. That's huge to me, regardless of how you apply that to something. Mm-hmm. Whether it be finances, huge. Databases, huge. Anything. What? I guess I guess some people get it and some people don't. There's an episode coming up with On Rapping with D where I told the person, uh, she's very, very curious about Bitcoin. Very, very smart. Um, her name's Sophia. You'll hear about it. And she said, and I told her, I said, what Bitcoin has allowed for the very first time is for you to send money from A to B, any A to B on the planet, with no intermediary in between. And she like paused for a second, and she was like, "Holy shit, that's fucking huge." And I was like, "You know, a little bit." Yeah, I was like, a little. It's kind of a big deal. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's it, like I think people, getting people to understand that, that so like when you're doing your on ramping. Getting people to understand that point. Like, okay, if we're standing next to each other, I can give you $5 cash. You can say, thanks for that $5. If you are across the country, I cannot hand you $5 in cash. But I can hand you $5 in Bitcoin or whatever the equivalent of $5 in Bitcoin is, regardless of where you are on the planet. So it's allowing people to exchange cash person to person, just like you would with cash in reality. To anyone on the world, in the world, without someone watching you do it. And when they get that idea, it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then they can start to dig into all the like 
centra- centralization of current traditional money and all the, all the other mm-hmm. stuff that we love about Bitcoin. We're getting the fundamental idea that it's electronically sending somebody, the, 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 yeah. the electronic equivalent of handing them a $5 bill and walking away and no one knowing about it. And to tip my hat one more time to Andreas Antonopoulos, who is quickly becoming like one of my life heroes. Like if he, if I asked him to be my mentor and he said yes, then I would cancel my life and go follow him around the world and learn the ways of the Antonopoulos. Like it'd be straight up, uh, fucking what's the like Archimedes style level where I'd wear a toga with Andreas's face in the top right corner. <laughs> Ian, I don't know if this is gonna. Oh, I, yeah. One of the recent interviews I just did it should come out soon with Arthur Falls. We talk about Andreas. He doesn't have such a, a shining uh, view of Andreas. Well, a lot of people didn't have a shining view of Pythagoras, but guess what? We're still learning his shit, and we're still speaking the words that he said long ago. All right? Ain't nobody going to be singing, uh, can't nobody love you like I love you from Justin Timberlake thousands of years from now, but we're still singing the praises of the Pythagorean theorem. Anyways. I tip my hat to Andres at fucking hell, Antonopoulos, because uh, he really defines the difference between secrecy and privacy in his book. And he says that, like, everybody has the right to privacy. I should be able to act in a good manner with whoever I wish and not have to worry about somebody looking in on all my actions. Secrecy is something different. Secrecy is something that comes from above. Of people with power have this right to secrecy, where they just don't tell you shit and don't, and they do all this sort of crazy shit behind the scenes, and that's secrecy. And that's what you're getting at is like being able to hand cash to someone across the globe. That's my fucking business. I wanted a special Chinese hat, so I ordered from the special Chinese shop. And I handed them cash for that, and now I got my awesome hat that I can rock in Texas. And people are going to be like, where'd you get that hat? And I'll tell them. But there's no need for anybody to fucking know that transaction happened. The only person that ever needs to know is how much it was so they can get the taxes from it. That's it. They don't need to fucking see the transaction. Like that's a, like that's a shape of that's – a, that's a wording thing. Secrecy is when you have a group of people that have – that share an idea but don't let anyone else know that idea outside of the group. Right? Yeah. That's a secret within the group. That doesn't mean it's bad. Exactly. It can be, but that's what it is. It doesn't, it just, it doesn't mean the abuse from of the secrecy. get-go. Okay, yeah. People Over-secretization. Everyone will always do that. But I think the key with the technology is that the technology doesn't force it. Yeah. It's fundamentally not that. Yeah. And so instead of having a handful or a handful of dozens of organizations peering out at billions of people, now the opportunity, and this is straight from Andreas, the opportunity is for billions of people to peer back at the handful of organizations. We've got that tool now as people. So there can be common lines of communication. And like you said, Corey, I, I, I believe with you now. There need to be private chains. Believe with you. That's a phrase. We're going to put that on a shirt. I believe with you. <laughs> I believe with you now. That there need to be private chains, right? Like you said, there need to be secrets. Secrets are necessary for safety. But there needs to be levels of transparency and checks and balances in place. And now we have a tool to where the billions of people can start staring back 
at what are you organizations doing with all of this money we give you all the time? If it's yep. if it's going to Project X, if 80% of the money we give you is going to Project X, we're going to need to fucking dismantle Project X because I'm giving you a lot of my money and you're fucking around with it and it's getting on my nerves. Like, do do better. And now we have the tool to say that to our government. And that's what I like about Bitcoin. We, we need to get off our soapboxes, though, because this episode's running long. Yep. Uh, Let's close it up. All right. So shout out to Zoe Saldana. Shout out to Mariah Carey. I support you. I know you had a fuckery of a show, but I support you still. Hitting those falsettos. Um, shout out to Britney Spears, just in case. A lot of my friends had a crush on you in middle school. I necessarily didn't. I was more of a Maya man. Um, but shout out to you, Britney Spears. Um, let's see. Purse.io is our jam. Go to our website. That's not there anymore. Uh, we'll find a way to get it to you, but purse.io is good. Uh, go to the blog. I always, when I'm unwrapping people, I'm like, I wonder if there's this packet of information I could send them that's just like a one-stop shop. And I'm like, oh, yeah, our boss of an uh, awesome compadre and working companion, Ken, writes all these how-to blogs on our blog, the Bitcoin podcast blog on Medium. Uh, so search for us on Medium. Okay, Twitter is at the BTC Podcast. Um, our Slack, go to the website, join our Slack. We the conversation is rampant right now. We talk about everything from I think we were talking about pornography the other day, and then life insurance at one point scared some people off, and then we were talking about rappers. We were talking about Bitcoin, Ethereum, Zcash. Like it goes down in the in the DM. Yeah. Anyways, uh, play 